Alright, um, so last week I put off uh, going, continuing on in Luke, but then again we, we picked it up. We covered what the Bible says about hell and what hell is. And we went over that. And uh, I think we had a pretty good study, huh? Yeah? Okay. Um, I'll continue on just a little in that as I read some more this week. It kind of brought something to my mind. These things aren't normally taught. So when we were talking last week, I said that in the Greek of the New Testament, there were two words that were used for hell. One is Gehenna, which is a garbage pit outside of uh, Jerusalem where they used to sacrifice children and uh, things of that nature. And another one was Hades, which is comes from from the Greek language and Greek mythology. It's the underworld or where the peop- the dead are. And those words are translated into English as hell. The Greek language, when they used it to translate the New Testament, it was already in existence. Alexander the Great spread it out throughout all the known world at that time when he conquered and then died. The Hebrew language, which is the word Seol, is what is translated hell most of the time. It's also translated the grave and the pit. It the Hebrew language came forth just to bring forth the word of God. But the Greek language, it already existed and uh, they kind of co-opted the language that was already there. Like Hades is a place of the underworld and it's where the god Hades, uh, uh, Pluto, lived. But that does not have bearing on how it is used in the New Testament because we did not give credence to those pagan false gods there's one more word that is um that is used but it's only used once it's uh tartaru or tartarus and it's used in second peter and we'll go we won't go there first we'll go to another place we'll go to luke chapter 8 verse 22 We've already read this section, but it's it's good to review sometimes. Luke uh, eight verse twenty two. This is when uh, he met the madman. When Christ met the madman in the um, in the cemetery, who was naked. Luke eight twenty two. Now it came to pass on a certain day that when he went in the ship with his disciples, and he said to them, "Let us go over into the other side of the lake." And they launched forth, and as they sailed, uh, he fell asleep. Actually, we're going to skip now until he gets to there. We'll go to Luke eight. 26. And they arrived at the country of the Gargarines, which is over against Galilee. And when he went forth to the land, there met him out of the city a certain man which had devils a long time and wore no clothes, neither abode in any house but in the tombs. So he met a madman who was possessed by devils that uh, was naked in the tombs. And when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him in a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God, most high? I I beseech thee, 
Torment me not. So this is the devil speaking to Jesus because they recognized him. For he commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For oftentimes it had caught him, the, the man, and he was kept bound with chains and feathers, and he broke the bands and was driven of the devil into the wilderness. And Jesus said unto him, What is thy name? And he said, Legion, because many devils were entered into him. And they besought him, he would not command them to go out unto the deep. Now the word deep is why we came here, but I'll continue on. And there was there and heard of many swine feeding on the mountain, and they besought him that he would suffer them to enter into them. The devils besought Christ that he would allow them to enter into the swine. And he suffered them, and then went the devils out of the man and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep place and into the lake and drowned. So, this kind of brings to mind, as we spoke when we covered this, if there were so many people possessed of uh, devils and unclean spirits at this time, then we should expect them to find expect to find them throughout all ages. And I mentioned that uh, I believe that we can look on the internet and see these people going berserk, especially in the uh, the pandemic, the, the people that are called Karens that are throwing themselves on the floor and thrashing. Generally, these people can live in, um, can live a normal life, but in these certain circumstances, they just go berserk and appear to speak in different tongues, their language, their eyes become dark, they throw themselves on the floor and thrash in some, some instances. I also pointed out a video I'd saw, uh, that day or whatever of a naked man in traffic stopping, uh, cars. This man here in this, uh, verse was naked and this man that I saw stopping cars he ripped the bumper off of a car so this other man also had an incredible power so I believe that we can see them and also in these mass murderers and school shooters for sure that they are evil peoples but also they have uh, these demonics latched on to them for, for the things that they do going in and murdering children and such as that so they definitely do exist even into our day. But they said, they asked Jesus that he would not command them out into the deep. So this word deep is abyssos. It's kind of where we get our word, uh, the abyss from. It only occurs 10 times in the Bible of the New Testament. We'll look at a few of them. So it occurs here. It occurs in Revelation, and we went over some of these last week, and that's why I'm kind of going over them now. Yeah, you probably have a different translation, or is it in the mar- in the margin? It's different translation. It's into the abyss. Abyss, yeah. Um, another place it occurs is uh, Revelation nine one and two. Nine one reads, And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven and unto the earth, and to him was given the key to the bottomless pit. The bottomless pit is uh, the same thing. What does your Bible say? 
And he opened the bottomless pit, and arose smoke out of the pit, as the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. It also occurs in verse 11. Verse 11, And they had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon, but in the Greek tongue hath the name Apollyon. That is uh, the destroyer or the desolator. This is uh, none other than Satan himself. It also occurs in Revelation 11.7. And when they have finished their testimony, the beast that ascended out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them. Speaking of the saints. Verse uh, chapter 17, verse 8. And the beast that thou sawest, and is, and is not, shall ascend down the bottomless pit, and go into perdition, that means he shall perish. And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, when they behold the beast that was, and is not, and yet is. And then finally, in Revelation 20, 1 and 3, I saw an angel come out from heaven having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal on him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. Alright, so those are all the occurrences of that word abyss. And, but we see from the speaking of the devils, we saw that it is a place that some of them are bound even now, and they ask that Christ should not send them there. So we know that he has the power to lock those in chains in that other realm. Uh, we'll look one more place. As I said in con discussing the words that are used translated hell in English, there were three of them. And two of them were Hades and Gehenna. All the times except one, they are the ones that are used whenever you see hell in the Bible. The only other place that hell occurs that is a different word is in Second Peter chapter 2, verse 4. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 4. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them in chains of darkness, to be reserved unto judgment. So the word here, it's the only time that it occurs in the, the Bible of the New Testament, uh, is uh, Tartaru or Tartarus. In Greek literature, it, Tartarus was the place where the titans were bound. Titans were like demigods, um, not quite gods, but um, some sort of powerful beings in, in Greek mythology. And it was the closest word um, that Peter could relate to it. So we see that there is a place where the fallen angels are bound, um, but some of them are able to ac exercise their will on the earth. And at times they may 
actually be cast down here. If we have time today, we'll see how this kind of relates. Um, even the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament, it does not use the word Tartarus or Tartaru. Um, according to Dr. Bullinger here, Wikipedia says that it uses it twice in in Job, but reading those verses in Job, they have no relation. And Dr. Bullinger said it's not used, so I trust him more than I trust some person on Wikipedia. Yeah, well, I don't have a co- I don't have a copy of the Septuagint, um, so you can take back the the Old Testament, the Hebrew. But you would need a copy of the Septuagint to see how they translated it into Greek. Yes. <clears throat> but so then that's an interesting thing to me, and it just kind of struck me when I, I saw that they were asking not to be cast into the deep. So we'll go back in Luke and pick up our reading there. Um, verse 17, or chapter 17, verse 1. Then said he unto the disciples, It is impossible, but, the, but that offenses will come, but woe unto him through whom they come. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he cast into the sea, then he should offend one of these little ones. So what that's saying is, as Christians, we are going to face persecution and mockery for holding these beliefs that the Bible says. We can see this on the internet today. I mean, all you got to do is go on any message board. And I saw today that the Great Salt Lake is drying up in Utah where um, there's a large religious sect there uh, who are nominally Christian. They were, they worship Christ, so not in the same way we do. But So they say in the Salt Lake's drying up, and that's going to make arsenic come up, and it's going to blow off the, uh, the Salt Lake, creating arsenic clouds. And they were all joyful about that because it was going to get religious people, because religious people always say any calamity is from God, especially like when we have places like California burning and and things uh, of that nature. Uh, They're they're very gleeful when that happens. In the abortion debate, they're very uh, anti-Christian in the alternative lifestyle majority is anti-Christian and uh, against the word of, of God. So this is no surprise, he says, as here, it is impossible that offenses will come, but woe to him by who they come. And as days go by, Christians have had it pretty good in the West uh, for several hundred years now. We haven't been crucified, burned at the stake, or, or stuff like that generally, um, but now there's going to be a switching back as uh, we hold to these old beliefs and the new age comes in, especially when we say that these plagues and these curses are because of their unbelief in God and their turning away from his word. That's going to get 
not going to make as many fans. And then it's going to switch to where we are a minority. But the promise of Christ is, it is better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he were cast into the sea that he should offend one of these little ones. Uh, he's talking about the children that were gathered with him there. Uh, and as we see today, they're in the schools, they're definitely putting stumbling blocks in front of these children, teaching them all these. They can't even figure out if they're men or women or whatever. And they're Exactly. This word offend is uh, to put a stumbling stone. Yeah, like um, teaching them the wrong way. Put, yeah, or even encouraging them, you know. It, it puts a stumbling stone between them and the true way that you should be. Verse 3. And take heed for yourselves. If thy brother trespass against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. So if your close kinsman, if he offends you or he's done you wrong and you say something to him, and if he's genuinely sorry about it, you forgive him. And if he trespasses again, see, seven times a day, and seven times a day turns again into thee saying, I repent, thou should forgive him. Now, that's if he's truly sorry. Pretty soon he's going to run out of stuff he can do to you if he, uh, <laughs> if he's messing up that much. But that is a kind of a hyperbole. A hyperbole is an exaggeration. And, um, so, if you have a close kinsman and he's messed, he screwed you over a few times, but he is genuinely sorry, then forgive him and make amends between yourself and him. But Verse 5, And the apostles said unto the Lord, Increase our faith. So this is as close as 12, his apostles. They said, Make us more faithful. And the Lord said, If you had the faith as a grain of a mustard seed, you might say unto this uh, sycamine tree, Be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. This isn't like the mustard we grow, though the seeds are probably the same size. This would, uh, would be black mustard, I believe. And it could grow into a bush resembling a tree big enough for birds to roost in it. So our faith starts small and then it increases. When you have absolute belief in something, there is very few things that can stop you even unto miraculous powers of healing and miraculous deeds if we believe this 100% then the Lord will give us these powers and we remember when the Lord was walking on water and Peter wanted to come to him and he told him to come and he stepped out of the boat and Peter Walked on water for a few steps, which would be impossible. But he walked on water for a few steps, and then when he had doubt, he sunk, and then he fell in, and he was drowning, and the Lord had to help him up. He believed at first, but then his faith faltered, as would be normal when you're thinking about the bounds of reality. But those who live in the last, the last days, they will see things that have never been before. 
and that will increase their faith to these levels. Verse 7. But which of you have a servant plowing or feeding cattle and saying to him, by and by, and when he is come from the field, go and sit down to me, and will not rather say unto him, make ready wherewith I may sup, and gird thyself and serve me, till I have eaten and drinking, and afterwards uh, thou shalt eat and drink. Doeth he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded of him? I throw not. That means I think not. So likewise you, when you shall have done all the things which are commanded you, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which is our duty to do. So he's talking to the apostles here using the language of that day. Uh, most of the time rich people would have a servant and he'd feed all the cattle and, and then the rich man wouldn't tell him to go sit down and eat because he'd done his duty. He's like, fix me my supper and then then you can eat. And he's telling his apostles, don't congratulate yourself because they do the things that they were commanded to do and and do no more. Um, the word unprofitable servant, it uh, only occurs twice. Uh, one, one is here and the other one is in Matthew chapter 25 when it's given the parable of the talents. If we remember the parable of the talents, uh, the Lord went away and he gave one of his servants five talents. The word talent is where we get our gift, the word gift from, or like our natural talent, where we're good singers, good carpenters, uh, artisans, whatever, whatever our talent may be. Uh, he gave one five talents, he gave one two talents, he gave one uh, one talent. And uh, the one he gave five to doubled it to ten. He increased his talent that the Lord had gave him. And then the one that had two, he doubled it to four. When the Lord came back, they gave the talents that they had and the increase, and he was very pleased with them. But the one that had one, he was like, I know you were a hard man, and you reaped where you didn't sow, and you harvested where you didn't plant. And he said, so I took and I buried your talent, and now here it is, I give back to you. And he told him to cast out that unprofitable servant into chains and utter darkness, and he used the words... Uh, symbolizing hell, weeping and gnashing of teeth. Um, so, and saying to the apostles, don't just do the bare minimum. Go out and increase and bring forth bounty. That's kind of a uh, hard translation here. And it came to pass as he went, this is verse 11, when he went to Jerusalem, he went through the midst of Samaria and Galilee, and he went into a certain village, and he met him ten men that were lepers which stood afar off. So lepers couldn't come near to other people because of the law of God, and it's a health law. If you got close to a leper and he touched you, you could catch leprosy, and there was no cure for it. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And he went and said unto them, and he said unto them, Go and show yourselves to the priest. And they went, and when it came to pass, as they went, they were cleansed. So these people were miraculously cleansed from leprosy. Though leprosy sometimes was cured, there were certain uh, prescriptions um, in the Bible that if you were cleared with leprosy, you were supposed to give 
such and such uh, for sacrifice and uh, offering and, and things of that nature. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet and gave him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. This is brought forth here because it's saying one of these was a Samaritan. If we remember, the Samaritans were the people that were transplanted in the land by the Assyrians when they took the uh, the Israelites, the Jews, away. And then the Jews were returned to their homeland and they didn't like the Samaritans. They thought they were uh, an unclean and filthy people. Um, so it's, pro- it's pos- probable that the other nine were Jewish people and this Samaritan was the only Samaritan because they could only hang out with other lepers. You, if you got close to somebody who didn't have leprosy, if you're, you touched them or your garments mixed on them, they could have leprosy as well, which uh, was eventually fatal. It would rot your skin off. Um, so the Jewish people who were healed didn't come back, but only this Samaritan did who they considered they considered all Samaritans to be unclean and they didn't have any dealings with them. There's also the the parable of the good Samaritan. You hear somebody being a good Samaritan. A man asked Jesus who was his neighbor and he told the parable of the good Samaritan like how a man was robbed by the side of the road and a priest and a Levite and all the good people passed him by. But a Samaritan stopped and picked him up, took him to the inn, and got him uh, healed and said, whatever he owes, when I come back, I'll pay. And he said, who who out of all these people do you think was this man's neighbor? And it was the good Samaritan because he gave the, the golden rule, love thy neighbor as thyself. And the guy said, who is my neighbor? Then he told the story, the parable of the good Samaritan. Um, we'll continue on a few more verses. And Jesus answering and said, Where there were there not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? They are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise and go thy way. Thy faith has made thee whole. And when he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come, he answered to them and said, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation. Neither shall they say, Lo here, nor lo there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. And he said unto the disciples, The days will come when you shall desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you shall not see it. And they shall say unto you, See here or see there, go not after them, nor follow them. For as lightning lighteth, for as the lightning that lighteth out of one part under heaven shineth unto the other part under, under heaven, so shall also the Son of Man be in his day. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected of this generation. So the Pharisees asked, how would the kingdom of God be? And 
said it won't come through observation. And then he went on to say that tell the disciples that they would, in the future, they would wish to see one of the days of the Son of Man, which is Jesus, uh, but they should not see it. So he was telling the men that he was going to be crucified and taken away. Uh, he went on to say uh, he must suffer many things and be rejected of this generation. But when he finally came, it's going to be as lightning coming out of the east and shining to the west. Every eye will see and every knee shall bow. That's words that are used other places. Here he's starting to talk about the uh, the end of the world. Later on, when he's saying it's or he's saying here that the kingdom of God is inside you. He sent the Holy Spirit to be the comforter and it resides in us. And it should, does not come through observation other than seeing the effects of the good works we do in the name of Christ. So we'll stop there for tonight because the next section, it kind of gets into how the, the things are going to be in the end of days and when he goes on to describe it, we'll see things that we're even seeing in the news today. So it's going to be kind of, yeah, it's going to be uh, an exciting time, an exciting lesson, I should say. We'll see things. Yeah, I think uh, yeah, I can't do it justice at this time. Okay, um, any questions, comments, concerns? All right, we'll end the prayer.